Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer and editor James Aqualone. He is the editor of a Kickstarter that I'm very excited about. It is called Kolchak, the Night Stalker 50th Anniversary Graphic Novel. James, two questions. First off, I want to make sure, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You got it. Yes. Thank, thank, well. you very, thank you very much. And then, James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Mm -hmm. Busy. Yes. Uh, we're about to launch in a few days, so uh, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess I'll sleep after the Kickstarter. All right. Now, I'm just going to go over your brief, um, your brief history. And like I said, along the way, just correct me if I'm wrong. So okay. you are the creator and writer of Dead, the Dead Jack novels. Is that correct? That is correct. And then can you just, you know, just briefly just tell our listeners, you know, um, just give a description of the, the Dead Jack series. What is that about? Dead Jack is a zombie detective who is uh, addicted to fairy dust. And uh, he solves cases and goes on wild adventures in a place called Pandemonium which is like an alternate universe. It's basically, he works in the five cities of Pandemonium, which are like the five cities, uh, five boroughs of New York. So it's like 1940s New York. Uh, but everybody in the five cities of Pandemonium is a monster. So all the monsters and mythological creatures and legendary creatures from our world were banished to Pandemonium. So everyone's a zombie or an ogre or an elf. Oh, and... Uh, and Jack has a, a, a homunculus sidekick named Oswald, and uh, and that's it. It's a it's kind of crazy uh, series. Mm -hmm. I have three novels, and uh, I think there are three three short stories now. I want to just say for the listeners because I, I kind of because can you describe what what a hom homunculus is? Homunculus, yes. Homunculus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's tough. I mean, homunculus is like. Um, <clears throat> It's kind of open about what it is, but it's basically like uh, a little man that's like created by uh, like a scientist or an alchemist. Uh, I mean, the word homunculus literally means little man. Mm -hmm. So, I, so like like uh, way back when, uh, like alchemists really thought they could create people like in jars and stuff. Uh huh. And if you watch like the old Frankenstein movie. That was when they remember they had like those little people in, in like the glass jaws. Oh, okay. I think it was the, it was the Bride of Frankenstein. I think you, you saw them. Okay. So they, they, that, that was always one of the things that alchemists try to do. They, they try to create little people and stuff. Mm -hmm. now, so that's, you, that's well. now, there's a very interesting story I heard, and I'll get to the podcasts that I listen to. Um, you, you have a specific fondness for that word, right? <laughs> Humongous? <laughs> I'm probably not saying it wrong, but... <laughs> you did your research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like a few, a few years ago, I just became like obsessed with the word. I just love that mm -hmm. word, homunculus. <laughs> so then I started writing a, a short story about a homunculus. Mm -hmm. And that short story, I basically stole from myself with the dead jack that's that's how dead jack started it was dead jack was a was a character in another story and the homunculus came from another short story and then mm -hmm. they didn't work out and so i i i, I paid, uh, plagiarized myself and and came up with, with those two characters 
that's pretty cool. Um, sorry, James, I'm going to continue on. So, okay. Also, too, um, you also um, did um, a horror and humor prose anthology um, novel called Madness and Mayhem. Is that correct? That's a collection of my short stories. Okay. All right. And then you are the managing editor of the legendary Weird Tales magazine. Now, for listeners, um, this magazine has been around for Correct me if I'm wrong. Almost a century now, correct? Yeah, next year will be a hundred years. Wow! And then, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is um, in this magazine. It had the first appearance of Conan. Mm -hmm. which, you know, I guess one of his short stories by Robert E. Howard. It also introduced sword and sorcery. It introduced the occult detectives. Um, you know, these these um, characters or genres made their first appearance in this magazine. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, a lot of genres and, and subgenres started in Weird Tales. Mm -hmm. Weird Tales is probably best known for Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. They were mainly, like, his, basically his publisher. I mean, they, they, Weird Tales was the first to publish The Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, like, his mythos stories were, were published in Weird Tales. Oh, okay. And, Pretty yeah, and Conan, that's cool. And, you know, and, and then he published people like Ray Bradbury and Robert Block. So they have this, this really deep history. Yeah, and I mean, and also, and like you just said, you know, like, um, I mean, Ray Bradbury, I mean, it's like these, you know, legendary science fiction writers and horror novelists got their start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. That okay. was the place to be back in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Okay. And then you, you are the editor for the upcoming prose novel anthology, Classic Monsters Unleashed and Shakespeare Unleashed from Black Spot Books and Crystal Lake Publishing. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Okay. Now, did I miss anything or is there anything you want to highlight or promote or anything? No, no, no. That, that, that's about it. Okay. And then now, let's see. Um, now, before we really get into the interview, I want to give a big shout out to Hannah of Superfan Promotions for setting up this interview. Hannah, thank you very much. Um, James, I'm going to ask, do, do you want to add anything to that? Okay, thanks a lot, Hannah. Hannah's been uh, very busy, too. Mm -hmm. Set me up with these uh, interviews and podcasts, and it's been kind of wild about the, the interest in this project. So there's been, uh, this is like the fifth podcast I'm bid on, and there's tons of uh, like email interviews and stuff. So I'm going to be very busy for the next few <laughs> That, But that's pretty cool. Um, and, we'll, and there's going to be one question I'm going to get to re regarding um, Colchak. And you have to forget, and I'm going to say, James, and even to the listeners, sometimes I'll... I'll refer, when I say Kolchak, sometimes I'll go back to when I first started watching the show, I kept calling it Kolchak. And people had to mm -hmm. correct me. So correct me if I, you know, if I mispronounce <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Now, where, where can listeners find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I get, I, I don't even know my, I guess James Aquilone is basically uh, my handle on, on, on everything. You go to jamesaquilone.com. Mm-hmm. And all my social media is there. And if you want to follow the Kolchak campaign, it's the handle on Twitter is Kolchak50. Oh, okay. I got to remember that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to um, start off. Um, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New mm -hmm. York. Mm -hmm. And just recently I moved to Staten Island, which I don't, I don't know if people know about Staten Island. It's the other borough. <laughs> no? You never heard of Staten Island? Well, I've heard of Staten Island, but it's like, <laughs> I've never been to New York. I don't know where, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
because everyone knows Brooklyn. You say you're from Brooklyn, they go, oh, wow. And, and they're even impressed. They think you're like a tough guy. You think you're in the mafia or something. <laughs> you say Staten Island and they go, where's that? But, but there are five boroughs in, Staten, in, in New York City and, and Staten Island's the one, probably the least known. It's the, usually called the forgotten borough. But it's a little island right, right, now, right off, uh, off of Brooklyn. So you just got to cross the Verrazano Bridge and you're in, you're in Staten Island. And most of the people from, most of the Italians from Brooklyn left and went to Staten Island. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. Now, what was or were your first comics or even Sunday comic strip or even any magazines that you read when you were a kid? Well, I probably first got to superheroes from watching the old uh, Batman TV series with Adam West. Mm-hmm. And probably Batman then became like like the first superhero like I, I like was in love with and then and then we had the Super Friends TV yes. show you know the cartoon so I was probably reading I mean probably like like you're talking like like four or five years old so mm-hmm. I was getting comics then probably before I could even read and it was probably Batman and Superman mm-hmm. but when I got a little bit older then I started reading Spider Man comic books and that's that's like Spider Man is the the comic that really kind of like I related to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't you can't relate to Superman or Batman. Yeah, but as a nerdy kid with no friends, you can relate to Peter Parker. Yes, you know. So that was like the probably the first character ever that I could relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, you know, he's you know he's Peter Parker and he's a nerd and he has no friends and he gets picked on, but he's also Spider Man. So to me, that was like so cool. Mm-hmm. So then Spider Man really became like special to me. I still like Batman and Superman, but oh, yeah. Spider-Man was special. And then, um, also, correct me, because I did some research, too, and correct me if I'm wrong, also, too, that you also grew up with um, reading Mad Magazine. Is that correct? Yeah, I love Mad Magazine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, you know, um, and this kind of leads into my next question, and it's from Drew from the Coles from Comics for Fun and Profit, who submitted this question. You know, like, do you remember like your first LCS that you you know bought your you know you're able to buy your own Spider-Man comics or Mad magazines from? Do you remember um your first comic book shop? Well, I go way back before there were even comic book shops. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I was a kid, you got your comics from the newsstand. Yes. Wow. Okay. You know, I'm old. Yeah. No. So, no. <laughs> My mother would go get cigarettes, and then there'd be uh, like a wall of magazines and comic books in the back of the ma- of the, the newsstand. Yeah, and I would be lost back there, and and then uh, I would you know pull the comic books out and, and try to get my mother to buy them, and they were like fifty cents, and used to be like, no, we we can't afford that. Yeah, so, but but I guess it was probably more like in the early eighties then when I when comic book shops really kind of started popping up and. Yes, I remember one that was a few blocks from my house, and they weren't they weren't anything like they were today. They they, they didn't sell like collectibles or anything mm-hmm. like that, and they weren't even like nicely set up with aisles and things. It was just like a kind of like a like a basement, and it was just boxes and boxes of books. Mm-hmm. Like you say, oh, they give me the Fantastic Four box, and, and they would have to pull it down, and, and you'd have to rummage through it. So wow. it was kind of dingy and and scary. <laughs> <laughs> but then you also had like baseball card shops, you know. That was very big. It was like, um, that was when like comic books, they, you know, people started to see that they were actually worth money yes. and, and baseball cards. So when I would get my allowance, it was either like I would get some baseball cards or I would get, um, or a comic book from the, uh, like the old comic book shop. But I had no idea what I was buying. I was always just looking for like number ones. 
Mm-hmm. But I could never afford a number one anywhere. So I was always getting kind of like these like weird comics back then. I, I'm just, I, this is an off the cuff question. Um, do you still have any, do you have some or any of your old comics back from back then? Yeah, yeah, I kept all all those comics. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're in a box somewhere. I mean, the yeah, I mean, I loved, I was always obsessed with books and comic books. So I just, just loved having them and I loved having them stacked up. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, I never got rid of my comics. That was the one thing I didn't get rid of. All, all of my other stuff, like well, like my Transformers and stuff, that's yeah. all gone, all my G.I. Joes. Mm-hmm. The only thing I ever kept were the, were the books. Ah, that's nice. Now, it, again, sorry, I'm kind of going off track, but in when you're buying comics, did you ever pick up a uh, Hulk 181, you know, or let's see, what, what you know, or a uh, New Teen Titans number one, you still have it. Do you have something like that? I don't think I have anything that's valuable. Uh, probably the oldest comic I have is like a, a Captain Marvel from like the 50s. Wow, okay. And I have like a Gold Star Squadron number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, because there was one point when I, I didn't, I didn't need money and I was trying to sell my comic books and the mm-hmm. guy went through them and was like, no, none of them. the only oh. one he wanted to give me money for was the Archie comics. Yeah. I don't know why, but that, but, but yeah, I never had any, any I, like I said, I couldn't afford any good comics. No, no. So, so I was always like looking, uh, uh, you know, like first run comics and trying to get number ones. Yeah. In the eighties. And the only thing I got that, well, you ever hear of a comic called US One Trucking from like the early 80s? It's from Marvel, right? I think, yeah, it was Marvel. Okay, yeah. I, vague, I, got, I vaguely remember. Okay. And I was really excited when I saw this on the, uh-huh. the newsstand. I was yeah. like, oh my God, it's a number one. Yeah. I'm getting on the ground floor of this. So I just started collecting US One Trucking uh, comics. I got like maybe like the first eight. And it's a, it's a crazy comic. Mm hmm. Probably the first time, like uh, a truck driver was a, a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like his, um, he gets into a, an accident, and he his 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 skull is replaced with like a metal skull. Uh huh. And he's able to pick up like CB transmissions. Uh huh. So that's like his big superpower, and he has like you know like this like uh, high tech eighteen uh, wheel. Yeah, it was. But, but I always remember that comic because it was just so bizarre. No, but yeah. But, but, <laughs> it's not worth anything now. No, but it, but it kind of, but knowing Marvel, because I think like, oh, it, <clears throat> it, it went along with the fad of B, back then of BG and the Bear. Yep. Oh, what was it? Um, Convoy. Convoy. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, this whole trend in like uh, trucking movies and, and yeah. TV shows for some reason in the late mm-hmm. 70s and early 80s. I think there was supposed to there was supposed to be like a toy line that went with it. And I don't think it ever happened. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that was right around the time of like Transformers. Uh, two, maybe 83. Yeah. Everything had to have like a toy line. Oh, yes. Yeah. So... No, uh, sorry, James. No, yeah, because I, but I understand, I understand where you're coming from because, you know, it's like when I started to collect comics too or read comics, it was like already the X-Men was already, you know, 135 issues into the series. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I know I can't get number one, but when um, Marvel launched their new universe <clears throat> in, uh, in the mid eighties, I mean, 
the one that I was really attracted to was the um, Displaced Paranormal 7 or DP7, you know, because, and I, and that was the only series I ever collected every, all 32 issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, yeah. So, but I know what you mean. It's like, wow, this is, this is a cool number one. And what was good was it was a well-written story. <laughs> <So, laughs> wow. That's the thing. You don't know what's going to be big. So you think, uh, you think that like you went back in time and you like, you, you would get like Spider-Man one and stuff, but who knows, you know, you might be like, no, this is, this will, this will uh, fizzle out soon. And, Mm-hmm. I'll get this, this, you know, US one trucking. That's that's the one I think is gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> but the other I mean, thing, <clears throat> excuse me. But the other thing too is that. <clears throat> but the the cool thing is that these comics are, even though they're not really worth much, it, it's <clears throat> for us. For us, it's it's a nostalgia thing. You know, it, this is yeah. It, it, you know, it takes back to our childhood, or or you know, just something that's like. Yes, you know, I have my number one, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that be, that was more memorable than probably a lot of the other good comics because it was just such a bizarre uh, a comic. And it was just so silly that I thought I would make money. Because back in the 80s, that was when uh, all the stuff became collectibles and it was all about um, how much money was it worth. And I used to buy the, the you know, the, the comic book uh, buyer's guides and, and see how much comics were worth. And the same thing with, co- with, with baseball cards. And then, yeah. you know, you used to buy the guides. And baseball cards used to go up real fast. Like, a, you know, you'd have, like, a rookie card. And, uh, like, maybe two or three years later, it'd be, like, worth, like, $200. You know? So you thought, you know, and it was the 80s. Everything was about, like, money and, yeah. and the economy. Yeah. It was the Reagan era. So everything was, like, well, how much is it worth? You know, I mean, I love comic books anyway. Mm-hmm. But then it, then it was kind of, like, you know, and then I guess it was, like, the 90s. Then it was kind of, like, the, it all kind of fell apart. Yeah, oh yeah. All the money I put into baseball cards, like none of that stuff was worth anything a few years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think, you know, but I think the the thing that you mentioned is that it's just, it's just the love for the hobby. You know, we're going to love, re- you know, we love comics, we're just going to read it whether it, you know, whether it goes up or not, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as I started out of thought now about what is the the comic worth? I don't. I don't. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I just love. I just love bookstores, and I love hanging out, and I like, you know, just love buying books. And, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I'm gonna ask. Do you have a cat there? Yeah. No, no. I mean, you, do you mind? <laughs> what's, what's your cat? Hey, I mean, what's your cat's name? <clears throat> this is Lilith. Oh. <laughs> do we have all these boxes, and they love to climb on? Well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, all I just saw was a tail in the background. So that's the- there's another one creeping around. <laughs> I have all these boxes from all. Uh, so my other Kickstarter is um, it's about to start shipping. Mm-hmm. So they sent me. I, I don't have the books yet, but I have all the shipping supplies and I have all the other stuff and all the other rewards. So my house is just filled with boxes right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your cats are loving it right now, right? Oh, they love it. They, just, they think it's like they're good. You know, like a gym for them. There's boxes to jump on, and there's boxes to try to get into. <laughs> All right, James. All right. Okay, so I'm going to get back um, to the question. So, so how did you, how did your journey start into comics or, or writing prose novels? How did that start? Uh, well, I really that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I mean, I was probably about like 17 when I was like, you know, this is what I want. 
I want to become like a professional writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then for like the next 20 years, I didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I wrote short stories here and there. And it was just like, to me, it was just, um, it was just too um, precious to me, like to like show other people my work. So it was like, it, um, it was tough. So then there was maybe like a year when I started submitting stories and they all got rejected. And then I kind of looked at the back at the stories and well, these weren't really good. So I, I took a step back and it was like, all right, I'll start submitting stories when I'm, I'm ready. And then mm-hmm. I didn't submit stories for probably like another seven years. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't until like, you know, like about 10, 12 years ago that I really said, you know what, I really got to pursue this. Mm-hmm. This is something I really want. It's really like the only thing I really care about. And, uh, you know, I'm losing time now. I mean, I, I wasted, like, I feel like I wasted like 20 years. Uh, so like about 12 years ago, I said, I'm just going to start writing, a, write a story, send it out, mm-hmm. write the next story, send it out. Mm-hmm. And just keep doing that until I get published. So if I have to do it, you know, I have to write a hundred stories until I get published, I'll do that. But it probably took me like three stories at that point. Oh, okay. To, uh, to write. And then I, uh, the first story actually that I got, accepted was dead jack mm-hmm. and i got accepted in weird tales and then i was like off and running after that after that um pretty much every story i wrote and submitted i eventually uh sold mm-hmm. to a magazine or, or a website wow so i'm gonna ask so um how excited were you when you sold your first story and especially to you know um um a well-established magazine like um, Weird Tales. How, how excited were you, um, you know, when you got that letter to say, hey, you know, we're going to publish your story? Oh, that was wild because I was really convinced that I would never sell a, a, a story. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how good it is, it's something, I, I don't know, like the secret society or the secret handshake. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get published. And so, like, oh, wow. After getting so many rejections and after so many years to... to to get like an, like an email goes, okay, congratulations. Like what? Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that was, I was crazy. And then after that, it was even crazier that it didn't became common. It was like, Oh wow. Wait, you can actually be a nobody, mm-hmm. write, a, write a story and just send it in to someplace and they, they accept it. So I got, that blew my mind. And then, I, then I felt stupid too for wasting, uh, for, uh, you know, all those years where I was kind of, you know, just like, oh, you'll, you'll never make it. You'll, you'll, no one will ever publish you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I could have been much further along if I uh, had really did, really did push myself when I was like in my late teens, when I, when I first said, uh, you know, this is what I, this is what I want my career to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going to say, actually kind of sounds like, um, not wasting time, but it just sounds like it's more like, gaining a little bit more life experience too, just to. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have really, I don't think I really would have written anything that was so great in my teens or even my 20s. But mm-hmm. I think that by the time I was in my 30s, mm-hmm. I did, yeah, you, you, you do need that life experience. You, you do need uh, <clears throat> to even maybe have some tragedy in your life to write a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, and certainly the older you get, the you know, you, you then you are going to, you know, meet tragedy. So that, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's, it's terrible, but for a writer, it, it can actually be, uh, be good because you can actually use that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, sorry, James. I'm gonna move on. Um, let's see now. Um, before I start talking about the Kickstarter, you know, I just want to let listeners know, you know, as James has mentioned, he's already done a, you know, a handful of podcasts already on the Kickstarter, but I'm going to say, please check out James other interview for, you know, this, um, this, in the Kolchak, um, Kickstarter, um, campaign, check out this podcast called Kolchak Loop. Um, it's a podcast that was released, basically was released, uh, you know, on January 4th of 2022, that was a great episode. I listened to that. That was, oh, that was a fun you. episode. Yeah. Okay. So, um, now before I get into the campaign, do you know when the campaign will start and end? It's going to start on January 10th. Okay. Because January 11th is the 50th anniversary of the Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. And then I think it, it's ending on February 10th. Okay, because you, so it's kind of it's that the 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 kind of like it's the thirty it's the thirty day Kickstarter kind of like thirty days. I think technically it's thirty one days. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Now, um, for our listeners, you know, I'm gonna add, because I because I'm a big fan of the show. But for our listeners, may I ask, can you give a history of Kolchak? Well, Kolchak began as an unpublished novel written by Jeff Rice. Mm -hmm. And um, then it came to, I believe it was Richard Matheson's agent, who then took it to ABC. And they greenlit uh, the TV movie, and then Richard Matheson... Uh, and they're writing the, the teleplay. And Richard Matheson, for people who don't know, was like probably, like, in my opinion, like the greatest horror writer of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, Stephen King. But he came first, and he did all that before Stephen King. You know, he wrote I Am Legends. He, he wrote, I think, some of the best episodes of The Twilight Zone. Yes. Like Terror at 20,000 Feet, the one with William Shatner. Uh, he wrote like, the, the Shrinking Man. He wrote all these amazing stuff, and then he wrote the two uh, Kolchak uh, TV movies. So that's one of the reasons why it's so awesome. Uh, so then after, when they did the, the Night Stalker, the Night Stalker became the, the highest rated TV movie at that time. Mm-hmm. It was released in, uh, on ABC on January 10th, no, uh, January 11th, 1972. Then the next year, I think it was the next January, they did The Night Strangler. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that, they did the TV series, which lasted uh, 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically, and for our listeners, the character of, uh, and James, feel free to just jump in. And so, and then the um, Col- Kolchak is basically, he is a reporter for, yeah, actually, in the first two um, TV movies, because if, I vaguely remember, but I remember watching the movies and I loved it, but I know, but basically he was um, some type of newspaper reporter mm-hmm. and he would come across stories, but then the digger he deeps in the, the digger, um, the, the, the more he digs into the story, um, he finds out there's some type of supernatural element or some type right. of weird element. It doesn't have to be supernatural, but sometimes, but, um, 
And I think in one of the movies, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in one of the movies, I don't know if it was the second one. I remember in the end, him and his boss, um, played by um, Simon Oakland, um, Tony Vincenzo, I'm I'm pronouncing the last, you know, I remember during being, literally they had to like leave wherever they, whatever state they're in, because I, I think that's how they ended the movie. Whereas, like, they're right. thinking because of, you know, this is crazy or something like that. I can't, you know. Um, and then when the TV show started out, um, they are, it's set in Chicago. Um, you know, Darren McGavin, Simon Oakland are back in their role, you know, are, are you know, back playing, you know, um, Darren McGavin is playing Kolchak. Simon Oakland is playing Tony, his boss of the independent news service. And then it's basically the TV series like was um, sort of a monster of the week type deal. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, did you want to add anything to that? You know. Well, I feel I think the first the first TV movie he's in Vegas. Uh-huh. So every well with the TV movies he always gets fired. He was like that. That was his his, his bio. It's like he's he was fired like I think nine times. And then the second movie he's in Seattle. Yes. And then he gets fired. I think it was the end of the second one that they then they're all fired and they all they're driving. They're supposed to be going to New York. Oh, okay. But then the TV series is is ends up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um. Let's see. And then. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Um. The thing with um, Carl Kolchak. Um. Darren McGavin was perfect in the role. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, <laughs> And then I'm going to, and um, he brought us, Darren McGavin brought a certain appeal to the character because, and like I said, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I always thought Carl Kochak was sort of a kind of a, um, I don't, at times he, it, it was perceived that he could be in like an ambulance chaser type guy, reporter. Yeah. But like I said, there was, he had a certain appeal to it and it always seemed like he always was a little bit a step ahead of the police. But it, there was something more than this murder or, yeah. And usually most of the, actually most of the shows always opens with a murder or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the cool thing about it too, is that I always love it that he always had that big um, tape recorder. Right. On the, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> And then also too, he always had that, that, and I, I, I said it's a, it's a, it's a, I say it's a Kodak Slim camera, but it's I think a a Rolly sixteen, that small little camera, you know, um, slim camera. And then he always had a, he always wore a cheap white suit with that hat. The blue suit. Yeah. It was a, it was a blue seersucker suit. You know. And a straw hat. Yeah, but it, it was great. Um, so, and then right now, um, and like I said, you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's available. Um, now, people, now, if listeners want to know more about this or fans of the show want to know where they can um, watch you know, the episodes, is it's on NBC.com. If that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also, too, um, um, it's on MeTV. So, you know, for us in Hawaii, it's late night here. It's going to be late night. It's twelve. It's midnight when they play it over here. So just yeah, here too. Saturday at midnight. 
Ah, okay, all right. And then also too, it was um, now also too for our list for some of our new listeners or someone who's new to you know the Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Um, it was a big major influence of the X Files series. Did you want to add any comments to that? Yeah, Chris Carter, who created the X Files, was very open. Even you know uh, when they were doing like press uh, for the X Files when it first started coming out, that Kolchak was was the the influence for uh, the X Files. Mm-hmm. So he he was always a he was a big fan of of the series, and uh, and at one point Darren McGavin was supposed to be uh, on the X Files as Kolchak. But he didn't want to be uh, on as Kolchak, so he 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 was a different character. He show, I, I don't know what season he was on, but he, mm-hmm. he did show up on on the X Files. And uh, I think at that time when um, the X Files was was on, uh, I think they started rerunning Kolchak then on um, the Sci Fi Channel in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So I think then more people got into it then. Uh, but I think it's, it's influenced a bunch of shows. I think it influenced like Buffy the Vampire. Vampire Slayer and uh, like shows like Supernatural. Oh yeah, yeah. He was the first. He, there, there really wasn't anything on TV. Yes. Like Kolchak, there wasn't anything like that. Like kind of Monster Hunter. Uh, you know, there was Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo came out, I think, in 1969. But it always turned out to be a hoax. So they, they really were never like you know hunting monsters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also too, it was um um. Because I, because I, rem, you know, um, because I remember watching at least no, I, the two of the, um, the two um, TV movies when it first came out. I remember watching the first season, well, the only season that they had, and it was great because it was like one week he could be fighting vampires, one week he could be, he was um, fighting the headless. Uh, the headless horseman, but this time on a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know um, I mean, it was, um, it, um, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think the other thing too was that um, it, 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 and I'm going to say, I've watched some older episodes recently within the last year. Mm. Um, but the thing is, I always, but Darren McGavin brought a little bit of class to the show because if it was with the wrong actor, if the, it was a different actor or, um, and also correct me if I'm wrong, because when I did some research, I think Darren McGavin was, he was um, an executive producer, but was never credited. And then also, I think he was also trying to rewrite some of the scripts too as well. Right. You know, but I, but I think that was great because then he was trying to elevate the show more than it's just, you know, um, it, because it could have turned out really cheesy and really bad, you know. But I mean, but for, you know, you and me, we have such fond memories of um, the, you know, like, like I said, the Headless Horseman with the chopper motor, you know, the, it, it, it turned out to be a motor, you know, it, instead of the Headless Horseman, it's the Headless, you know, guy on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Or um, what's the other weird, the other one that I love was the, um, the swamp creature. Yeah. You know. I think that's the, is that the Spanish moss uh, murderers or something? I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 but I still remember him. He had to break into 
some botanical garden and there's only a certain, I don't know if it was bamboo or something. He had to break in. He's, right. he's like, you know, he's breaking the entry. He's stealing stuff and he's sharpening it because it's the only thing that could kill it. Yeah. But, okay. I'm sorry. So I'm just going to ask, you know, um, what attracted you to the show? Well, I, I just love that type of character. Uh, you know, uh, he's kind of a little, he's kind of a loser. You know, like, like I said, culture's always getting fired. Yeah. No one ever believes him. But he's also like probably the smartest and most competent guy. Yes. On the show. Yes. I always like that type of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, character in, in that. And like, even like my dead Jack, zombie detective is kind of similar. He's kind of a loser. He's kind of a bumbler. But he also, you know, he gets the job done. So I, I love that. I, I always love just anything with reporters mm-hmm. and newspapers because that's 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 my day job. Yeah, I, I'm a journalist, so I was always um, so that was kind of like my two things that I love was like comic books, and then I was always like like I just loved like the whole idea of being a reporter because you know you had Clark Kent was a reporter too, mm-hmm. and you had Paul Jack, and that kind of did inspire me to go and. Uh, get a job in journalism which seems to be like you can't really go and just get a job as like a novelist so that was like kind of like seemed like the kind of like the second best thing and it always kind of even seemed like you know it was kind of connected to superheroes and stuff being like a reporter i mean it's not not at all the real <laughs> the real deal is not anywhere as, as cool as being clock or or call Kolchak. but but that was definitely that definitely inspired me to to be a, a reporter you know mm-hmm. if i had to get like a real job I was like, all right, being a reporter seemed kind of cool at, at yeah. the time. <laughs> and then, um, let's see. Um, um, I'm just, go- I'm just going to ask. So, when did you discover? This is off the cuff question. When did you discover the um, the TV <clears throat> series? I don't know because I, uh, I don't know where I first saw it. I, 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 I would think they probably saw it. Like you know, I think they used to rerun it as like the late night movie, like the midnight movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day when you didn't have cable and, and uh, streaming services, they would just throw out movies like uh, yes. in the middle of the night. And I was always a night owl, I was up all night. So uh, that's probably where I saw it because I always knew about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like someone was always around. And then even a couple of years ago, you know, my wife was a big horror fan. We were just talking about that episode, um, what was the TV movie like where they do, where they go into the Seattle underground? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was, I, I always knew that. I was like, that was always seemed so cool. I was like, remember that show where they go into the Seattle underground? I was like, oh, that thing was the Cold Check show. So then we started rewatching it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But that always stuck out to me that 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 the the, the second TV movie, the, uh, the Night Strangler, mm-hmm. goes into that Seattle underground. And so we, then we started like researching about the Seattle. Like, is that real? Yeah, and it is. It is a real thing. So that, was, so that was really cool. So that was that. That was a, so it was like a thing that always stuck with me. I always, I always, I always knew about it, and uh, and that was one of those things. Like every few years, you kind of like rediscover it. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. culture. Let's just watch it. And then then we found out that the the, the episode is streaming on 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 the NBC app. Mm-hmm. You can get them all there for free. And uh, so it was like, oh, so then when I like like did my uh, last Kickstarter and I was looking for another project, and I yes. said. I wonder, well, I don't know if I'm we're jumping ahead, but. No, just go ahead. Don't worry. <laughs> James, just go ahead. Don't worry. I, I was looking for another project and I 
I knew that Moonstone had done Kolchak stuff, and I love Kolchak, and I wanted to do a comic book, and I think that would be awesome. So just kind of like on a walk, I was like, I wonder if like there's like maybe an anniversary coming up. Yeah. Was that be a great way to, you know, like pin the Kickstarter? Mm-hmm. And then I look and I go, holy cow. Yeah. 50th anniversary is in January. And this mm-hmm. is like, I was like, you can't, that's, that's insane. I was like, that's perfect. Yes. That is absolutely perfect. So then uh, I came up with a pitch for the, for the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I sent it to uh, Moonstone and they were like, great, let's do it. So I was like, the timing was just perfect. I couldn't believe like the 50th anniversary just happened to be coming up yeah. a few months later. And that was like the first like project that I thought of after my last Kickstarter. Yeah. So like, that was just made to happen. That, that was just beautiful. Now, James, I'm, I'm going to say this and, you know, um, I just want to thank you for doing this because the thing is, because, you know, January 11th would have came and gone, you know, just a hand, you know, probably some handful of horror fans yeah. or, or Kolchak fans would have posted, Hey, it's the 50th anniversary. And some people go, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. Oh, I remember that show. Okay. Whatever. Or we would forget, you know, it, 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 it could have been lost in time but with this Kickstarter. That's, this is great. You know, like you said, it's the perfect timing for this. Yeah. I mean, if I just missed it by like, a, like if it was like, you know, like a month after the 50th anniversary, I really wouldn't kick my, kicking myself or, or even if it was like two years in the future, but I, I can't believe how, you know, just like think what, maybe there's a risk. And I don't even remember like when it came out. Yeah. So I, I, I had no idea. So that was great. Yeah. Like you said, if we missed it, that would have been really crappy. Yeah. This is such a great uh, excuse, not only to do like a cool graphic novel, which we could have done at any time, but this is going to be something that's really special. Yes. And then you can have all like the merchandise mm-hmm. that's surrounding it that you never really, you never had like official Kolchak merchandise, you know? So there, there's bootleg stuff out there, like t-shirts and stuff, but this would be the first time it's like really official. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have t-shirts. We're going to have uh, posters and, mm-hmm. and prints and stickers mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So this was like the perfect excuse to get all that stuff out. And I was like, oh, this is perfect because this would be like a huge celebration. Yes. Of Kolchak and, and the 50th anniversary is like a, is a big one. So I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And I'm really happy that we can even like bring Kolchak, you know, uh, more attention mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to people. And there's such a huge fandom out there, which I didn't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Because uh, I already, you know, set up the project. And then I started looking like, where, where can I promote this? And, I saw on like Facebook has like a bunch of really big cold check groups mm-hmm. and they're super active. They, they, um, they post about cold check every day, mm-hmm. like all day long. Yeah. And, and, and they all get it, you know, they all um, like gather like when, uh, when the episode is on me TV on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So there, there are thousands of cold check fans out there. And uh, I think they're just waiting for something like this. Yeah. And I'm going to say this is the perfect segue because for this graphic novel, you've got a ton of creators, you know, I'm just going to name a few. One of them is Rodney Barnes and quote, I'm going to say one of his quotes, he says, Kolchak changed my life. Kim Newman um, said, Carl Kolchak is one of the greatest horror genre characters of the 1970s. And that's true. Yeah. 
I didn't know, but that is true. You have um, David um, Avalon, Jonathan Mayberry, J.K. Woodward, Paul McCaffrey, and it's to name a few. And also, you got, correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry or Ordway to do the cover, one of the covers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how did you get all these created for this project? <laughs> Uh, some of the people I've worked with before, like mm -hmm. Jonathan Mayberry. Jonathan Mayberry, by the way, is, he's the editor of Weird Tales. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I work with him. Uh, some of the people reached out to me after they heard that the project, uh, you know, was happening. And, then, and like I said, there, there are a lot of Cold Check fans mm -hmm. out there. So uh, I think a lot of writers, too, were dying to do uh, a Cold Check story. Uh, I know Kim Newman. Kim Newman uh, actually had a Kolchak or a Kolchak type character in his first Anno Dracula novel. Oh, okay. Uh, so I had seen that he was doing the um, the commentary on the Blu-ray because they they just put out a Blu-ray of the the of this the season. Uh huh. In October. Yes. And then uh, so in my research, I saw Kim Newman was doing the the commentary on the Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I would love to work with Kim Newman. And I didn't, I didn't know he was a, a big Kolchak fan. Yeah. And then I'd seen he, he had, he had uh, said something about putting the Kolchak in Anno Dracula. And he said uh, he didn't realize that, you know, that Anno Dracula would be this big series and he would be able to do more stories. And that he always regretted putting the Kolchak character in his first book, which was set in, like, I think the 1880s or something. Mm -hmm. He always wanted to put Kolchak in, the, in a story that was set in the 1970s. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, well, this would be a perfect opportunity to contact Kim Newman because now he'll have an opportunity to, uh, to write a Kolchak story and set it in the 70s, which mm -hmm. he did. Uh, he wrote this amazing story, uh, which is basically like an alternate ending to The Night Stalker. Oh, it's like, okay. like how it should have ended. Uh -huh. and it's great and it's crazy. And... Um, well, on Monday when we launch, then we should have the first five pages preview uh, of a Kim Newman story. Oh my God. Which is great. And the art is gorgeous and, and just a really amazing story. But then Roddy Barnes too is a huge Kolchak fan. And I, and I think he put Kolchak or a Kolchak type character in Philadelphia too. So I was like, wow, I didn't know this. I didn't know all these people was such huge Kolchak fans and then even like kind of like like throwing him in into their like books and, and, and stuff like that which I thought was really cool so it wasn't hard at all to get <laughs> any of these people in fact there are a lot of people who couldn't get in because we just didn't have uh, room you know <laughs> so the off-the-cuff question how cool was it to get an email going hey I'm so-and-so I want to write a story for you and you know was your reaction going wait is this <laughs> Are, is this who it is? You, you know, it, you know, right. is this, yeah. like, who you are, or is this someone you know pranking me? You know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy that all these people email me, or uh, you know, like all they answer my emails, and and then I'm in like dialogue with them. So uh, you know, these are all some like like huge writers and honest, and uh, mm -hmm. so it's just kind of wild and fun to uh, to work with all these people. Mm -hmm. like Jerry Ordway it was like you know I emailed him and he's like yeah I'll do it uh, <laughs> you know I actually there was one other artist really big name mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know him I didn't know anyone who knew him and uh, he's like one of my favorite 
favorite uh, writer artist. He does he's done one of my like my favorite covers. So I just said like on a lock, let me just email yeah. right, this guy. And uh, so I found his email and I, I asked him if he wanted to do it. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay, that's crazy. Uh, we we had even agreed on a price and everything. He was going to do a cover. But then I think one of his uh, books uh, got picked up mm. to do like a TV show. And then he didn't have the time. Oh. So he had, a, he had a pull out. But I was like, but it was just totally like like random. Like I just sent him an email. He didn't know me, mm-hmm. and he said yes. So that was kind of early in this. So then I knew that like it, it was not going to be that difficult to get people involved because they're all fans, you know, and they, they all want to be part of, of of stuff like this. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them, I would say probably most of them, are taking a lot less money to do this project, <laughs> you know, because they 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 want to do a culture story and. You know, this is be, this is probably your only opportunity to do it. Yes. Yeah. Because, because, like, because I mean, because now, correct me if I'm wrong. I, this is an off the cuff question, but because I kind of know, I think does Moonstone have to sort of kind of the rights to the Kolchak to do it in comics yeah. book? Okay. Yeah. Um. Cult, um. Moonstone has the literary rights. Okay. So it was like a weird um situation with um the rights because it, it did start with an unpublished um, novel mm-hmm. Jeff Rice. Uh, there was some kind of like shenanigans that went on on how um, the rights were taken from him originally because uh, Jeff Rice, uh, the story goes that Jeff Rice sent uh, the novel to Richard Matheson's agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Matheson's agent then <laughs> without his knowledge turned around, he brought it to ABC and sold it without even signing uh, Jeff Rice. So he signs, he, he signs up with the rights to the Kolchak novel to ABC, and he signs up Richard Matheson as the, the writer of the TV movie mm-hmm. before signing Jeff. So then he brings Jeff in and it's like, well, uh, you know, all, you know the, the, the deal's already done. So he really kind of didn't have much of a choice than to sign. But somehow he retained the literary rights. Oh. Normally, like the T, you know, the TV studios would have took taken everything. Yeah. But he, uh, I guess, because of all of the chaos of how they they handled this, he always retained the, the literary rights to um, to Kolchak. So then I think it was like maybe like fifteen years ago or so. I think um, Moonstone then yeah. um, got the rights uh, from Jeff. Uh, I think he was friends with uh, the publisher of Moonstone, Joe Gentili. And uh, so they've been doing comics and and prose novels uh, Mm -hmm. and even anthologies. Uh, So that that was great. I mean, that's great that they, because, you know, if somebody like ABC, which I guess now Disney owns uh, the the dramatic rights to culture, and if they weren't doing anything with it, you just wouldn't be able to do something like this. You know, yeah. you, you know, like I can't go and do like a Knight Rider uh, comic book. Or, 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 oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and they would just let, let it go. So that was, it was great that he, he had the rights and that uh, Moonstone has them now and that we can do something like this, you know? That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, now I, I know you already talked about how Kolchak is kind of sort of that lovable loser and he's, 
kind of like he he's a little bit more, um, kind of knows what's going on, you know, where the police has no idea what's going on. Uh, other than that, why do you think Kolchak resonates with so many fans? You know, do you, what what other appeals? You know. Well, I think well, well, Darren McGavin one was great. He was just you know amazing in that role, and I love his narration. And maybe just the sound of his voice too. It just it was just always sounding really cool. Um, and if you look at like even the TV movies and the TV series, there are like no subplots. It's just that one plot, and it's 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 all focused on like Darren McGavin. He's in almost every scene, other than the, you know because they didn't show like the monster that much, you mm-hmm. know. It was like the focus is really on him, and and so he has to really carry it. So if, you, if they had cast the wrong guy, it just would have fallen apart. Like like when they did uh, they did that reboot in uh, two thousand five. Like reboot. <laughs> it lasted uh, I think six episodes, mm-hmm. and that was um, they had Stuart Townsend was mm-hmm. um, was Kolchak, which was like yes. Kolchak. I don't even think he wore a hat or anything. Yeah. And now, you know, no knock on Stuart Townsend, but you know he wasn't right for the role, and I think that's what you see. Like if you if you got the wrong person, and even mm-hmm. if you tweak that the personality a little bit, it it'll all fall apart. So I think Darren McGavin really held that together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like, you know, like a, there's a great actor, like a, a great personality, and you just want to watch them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for an hour, yeah. uh, that alone can make it. But I also think you know there was great writing because you yes. had. Richard Matheson, who did the first two, but even the TV series had some great writers. David Chase, who created The Sopranos, he was like the story editor mm-hmm. on, on the TV series, and he wrote uh, a number of episodes. Mm-hmm. The Chopper episode is written by um, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, mm-hmm. who then went on to, to do uh, Back to the Future together. Mm-hmm. So they had some really good writers even on the TV series. And I think it's just a fun series. I think they really did a good job of making it funny, and and it was like legitimate, legitimately scary. Yeah, I know a lot of people, especially you know who saw it originally, said it it frightened them. Mm-hmm. And even now, watching it, some of the stuff is kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Still, so I mean, uh, and that's a hard thing to do is to make something funny and scary at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I they did it. it because they didn't really veer to make it like super silly. It was there was comedy, but it it was mostly taken seriously. Yeah, and it was just a lot of fun. You mm-hmm. know? But yeah, um, that's right because I, you know, that's right because the episode just focused on this is it. It you know we're not doing, you know, I I know I think in later episodes they introduce um. Uh, and I can't remember the um, elderly woman's name who also helped out in the office, the secretary. You know, there was right. no subplot with her. It was just, here, Mr. Kolchak, here's a message right. from that, you know, you know, and that, and that was it, you know. Yeah, because they didn't, they didn't go, they didn't even go into, like, Kolchak's personal life. That's right. Uh, he has a girlfriend in the first TV movie, but after that, no, there are no girlfriends, there's no wife, mm-hmm. there's family. Yes. You don't even see Kolchak, like, in an apartment. Yeah. You don't see anything. Yeah, that's right. He's just, he's always just, he's just constantly on the job in the same suit. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's, that's something you don't, you wouldn't see today. Yeah. 
there'll be at least two or three subplots going on and uh you know you would certainly get into his personal life and sometimes maybe that's not like the way to go i mean i like the you know the old school shows they didn't really delve too much into um the personal life of a mm. character look at like uh colombo oh yeah that's right You're, you never knew anything about colombo you didn't even know his first name that's right and in colombo you just it was just about the case and you never saw his i think they, they brought his wife out later on but mm-hmm. that was probably like in the the nineties or something when they were still doing the, oh, like God. the TV movies. Yeah, yeah. I think who was it? Kate Mulgrew. I think. Yes, this is, ended up being his wife. This is Columbo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know that was the yeah. Like I said like now you know the more modern way of doing it would be to get into mm-hmm. uh, their personal life. But back back in the day, they they didn't do that. You just uh, it was just the a guy and his, you know and and um, he was just investigating the case and it was all about you know the plot you just didn't get into a you know colombo was very uh it was a similar character too you know except he was he was just much more uh uh successful <laughs> but uh and it was uh, you know i guess it was around the same time too so yeah that's right you know he uh well he had the jacket too he was with the same outfit mm-hmm. so that was the thing in the 70s but yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't see that today because then they say well, well i want to know who you know who who who, who's his family and and you know what what does he eat for breakfast and stuff like that and sometimes it, I, that can also just be kind of too much yeah. i think mm-hmm. you know? yeah um let's see um how and then in the graphic novel um how did you guys get richard christian matheson because now correct me if i'm wrong he writes a short story he he contributes to his story and also does the introduction as well. So how did you guys get a hold of him? Well, him I actually worked with before. And so he 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 contributed a story to my last uh, anthology, Classic mm-hmm. Monsters Unleashed, and he wrote a short story there. Mm-hmm. So um, so when I was about to do this, the Kolchak project, that's the first guy I went to. Obviously, since he, his father was Richard Matheson and wrote yes. the first two uh, TV movies, so uh, I said I obviously have to have uh, you know RC uh, Matheson in there. So he was the first person I invited, and he said absolutely I'll do it. Uh, and he said I'd love to do a, a story too. I said that'd be great. So once he was in, I was like, oh, here I got like the Matheson sign of approval, and um, you know the rest will follow. And he, um, this is his first comic that he's he, he's going to write, oh, that's so which is really cool. So, okay, I'm I'm slowly wrapping this up. <clears throat> now, correct me if I'm wrong. I know does does this Kickstarter include um, your original Kolchak comic that's going to be um, that that you wrote, Satanic Panic '88? Does this Kickstarter include that? Yeah, so that that story will be among the stories in the graphic novel, and then we're gonna spin it off into like a uh, like a forty page floppy. Oh. I will have like maybe two other stories in there. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't pass up the opportunity to write a Kolchak story. So uh, I was like, all right, I'm gonna edit this, but I, I have to ha- I have to get in there too. So that was my story and set in the in the 1980s. All the stories are gonna are set in a different decade. Uh-huh. Within Kolchak's life. Mm-hmm. 
Tolchak, the character, is the same age as Ga- uh, Darren McGavin was. Mm-hmm. So they're both born in 1922. Uh, Darren McGavin died in 2006, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the time frame of, uh, of the book. So every, we'll have a, at least one story in every decade from the 1930s until the early, uh, early 2000s. And we'll have three stories set in the 1970s. Uh, so we'll see uh, Kolchak as a teenager mm-hmm. in high school, uh, working on his uh, high school newspaper, and that'll be his first job. And then we're going to see him in World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, the World War II story is going to be written by Jonathan Mayberry. We're going to see him um, in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be dealing with Edward R. Murrow. And oh. I, I won't give away who the, the monsters are. Uh, then he's going to be in Vietnam. Uh-huh. Covering Vietnam. That's going to be uh, Richard Christian Matheson's story. Then the three stories in the 70s. Again, uh, Kim Newman, like I said, he's going to be, he's going to be doing like, the alternate ending to uh, The Night Stalker. Rodney Barnes is doing a story in the 70s set in Harlem with zombies. Tim Wagner stories in the 70s and that, that's gonna, uh, well, I'll, I'll give away the monster bit. The monster's gonna be like a were-rat. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know exactly how it's gonna work, but it's gonna be were-rats. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's in the 80s with the satanic panic. It's gonna deal like, uh, he's gonna go to like a small town mm-hmm. and he's gonna investigate disappearance of like a, a teenage goth uh, girl. Uh-huh. And, and that's going to deal with Satanism and stuff. And then Nancy Collins' story is going to be in the 90s. And that's going to have like a kind of like a weird, uh, like a X-Files millennium kind of connection. Oh my God, yes. So like, that was, yeah, it was like a perfect, like, like yeah, if it's in the 90s, it's got it's to involve some, uh, some dudes from the FBI. Uh, and then J- James Chambers is going to do uh, Kolchak's like last case. Mm-hmm. Will be set like the late nineties, early two thousand. Oh my god! So we're going to cover, so we're gonna cover his whole life, wow. and probably or possibly his death. Oh. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, oh, and I'm sorry, listeners. So just um, real quickly, for Satanic Panic '88, it's going to be drawn by Colton Worley, and mm-hmm. the um, and then the cover is going to be by legendary artist. I'm going to try to pronounce the name because I've seen his work. Um, is it da- is it Dan Bre- Breton? I think so. Dan Breton. Breton? Breton? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... But I've seen I his work. I haven't seen it written. Yeah. Because I've seen yeah. his work. He does great stuff. And I think... Um, what was it? Um, something was re-released. Um, the Nocturnals that he did. I think it was re-released mm-hmm. last year. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that cover. I think. Did you see the cover? No, I, I just. It was just through you know, um, through the um, super fan promotion um, press release. That I didn't is, see the cover. Great. The cover is amazing. So that was actually um, an unpublished uh, cover for for Moonstone. It was supposed to be like part of a Moonstone and I think novel, but it never got published. So I saw it. And uh, I had already, I think I'd already written the story, Satanic Panic. And Dan's cover is Kolchak, you know, like standing there. And behind him is this demon, well, like mm-hmm. Satan. And it's a gorgeous cover. And I was like, that's perfect. That, yeah. that, that's, I would have had him draw exactly that. And they never used it. 
So I said, all right, can we use it? And he said, he said yeah. And I said, all right, that's perfect. So, so that was also one of the reasons why I said, hey, we can, we can then maybe spin this off and also do like a, you know, like a 40 page comic. Cause we have like this, this amazing cover yeah, and it, and it just worked out perfectly. And, and then and it looks great. Oh, that's really great. Um, now I'm just going to ask, let's say, you know, um, you know, a, you know, a fan of the show, if they miss out on this Kickstarter campaign, will this be published um, by Moonstone in the future? I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we're going to be doing, it's going to be limited edition. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to do, I think maybe like 2,000 copies of, uh, well, there'll be two versions of the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. There'll be a graphic novel that will just have the comic stories. And then we're going to do like a deluxe version which will be a hardcover, but and also include prose short stories. Oh. And I didn't mention that, but after the Kickstarter, we're going to have open submissions where anybody can write and send in a, a Kolchak short story. Mm-hmm. We might include in, in the, uh, the deluxe version of the graphic novel. So there'll be, I think they're going to be, each, each version then will, will be limited to like 2,000 uh-huh. copies. Yes. So I would imagine if we don't sell them out, that we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be selling them through Moonstone after the Kickstarter. Oh, okay. But I would say definitely get in on the Kickstarter. Yes. I don't know if this stuff will be available after. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if we, we, we do, a lot of stuff will be limited edition. So if it yes. sells out, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And now off the cuff question here, correct me if I'm wrong, because when I was listening to the other podcasts, I think... Um, um, kind of like when the Kickstarter starts on January 10th, there's kind of an like an early bird special deal. Is that correct? Yeah, at least the first day. Then every most stuff will probably will be cheaper. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to then sign up to get the email alert through the the preview page because then you'll get an email that that will say, "Okay, we're live." Yeah. So then you can get in on it. Um, that first day and uh it'll be a couple of dollars probably for mm-hmm. like the books and, and, and uh like the posters and stuff like that uh so yeah you definitely want to get in on it early mm-hmm. once you miss that too then 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 you miss it you know it, it'll probably i i don't know if we'll, well maybe we can extend it the next day i'll have to talk to uh the publicist but mm-hmm. yeah but it's definitely the first day yeah it'll be uh some things will be limited to something mm-hmm. we'll have like maybe like like 10 of yeah. them. And we'll have some we're gonna have some cool stuff that i i, I don't think i can talk about yet okay uh, but you know uh all the collectible stuff uh and there's one thing that that's gonna be really cool but i think we're gonna do 12 of them mm-hmm. so sometimes these things get they do sell out really fast uh, mm-hmm. okay yeah 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 we'll definitely have early bird specials Oh, that's going to be nice. Um, let's see. Um, now, final qu- I'm, I'm wrapping this up. So final question. Let's say, um, how much fun do you think to bring Kolchak? Because I know you said the graphic novel is going to be within you know, his lifespan. <coughs> but how, how fun would it be to bring Kolchak without changing his character or appearance in the 21st century, to do a story in the 21st century? You know, and because with all the crazy conspiracies on the internet, you know, um, 
digital equipments that are available, you know, like these, right, we see these, these um, paranormal shows that has, um, I don't know, whatever these EMPs or EVPs or whatever, you know, those. Mm-hmm. How fun would that be to bring Koshak in the 21st century? And like I said, without changing the lovable, you know, loser character, you know, him still wearing his suit and his straw hat. I was thinking about that because it's, it's so different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, like in the, the 70s, you didn't have all the, the conspiracy theories and people weren't uh, uh, so knowledgeable about yes. these monsters. Even in the first TV movie, when he encounters a, a vampire, he has to like do research about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, he doesn't know like, oh, you've got to stake uh, a vampire in, in, in the heart and mm-hmm. this and that, which today you wouldn't need to explain any of that type of stuff yeah. to, to the audience. So do and now you know the internet and there's conspiracy theories uh, every day and uh, so it would not you know like the the big part of culture was that no one believed him but today yeah. everyone would believe him yeah, you know right. well, at least half the country would believe him you know <laughs> he wouldn't have that problem at all so a lot of the problems that he had then he wouldn't have today today he would probably have so many people telling him oh there, there, there's a monster in uh, you know here and there and then. So um, that would be different, I think. Also, it, you know, you don't have really, you don't really have newspapers either, uh, really. Um, so you'd have to make those changes. Uh, I don't know if those changes would uh, ruin it or anything or would change. Uh, I mean, you could still say the character. Um, Moonstone books actually are set in the present. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. They're kind of like like a nebulous kind of present. Like it yeah. doesn't really tell you the um, the time frame, but he does. It, but it is set in the present, so he does have like like there are cell phones and and, and computers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I did have to uh, kind of persuade the publisher to allow me to do it in this time frame. Yeah, because he was worried that it would it would change like the canon of the the current Moonstone books. Mm-hmm. So. He, he wants to make it clear that this is like a one-off or like yeah. this is out of canon. Uh-huh. Um, so if we do, I mean, if this is successful and we do a second one, we might be doing that then with Kolchak yeah. in the, the present. Unless I could convince him to do it again in, in the <laughs> 70s. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess it could work. I mean, there, there would have to be major things that you'd have to, to change um, uh-huh. to put in the present. Because I didn't want to put him in the present I didn't want Kolchak, you know, uh, on a computer or yeah. using a cell phone. I, I think he's so old school. Yeah. Like, I want to see Kolchak on a typewriter. Yes. I don't want him with a cell phone. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll give him a, a, maybe a better camera and <laughs> a smaller tape recorder. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, he's got to have the suit, right? Oh, yes. He's got to have the hat. It's like taking Indiana Jones and taking the hat off and, yeah. and putting in like a business suit. Yeah. You can't do that. Uh, you know, yeah. And he's, he's got to have the Mustang, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's certain things I think you just can't change. Yes. You know, and if, if, they re- if he is in the present, I would figure he'd be the type of guy who, who, who doesn't like technology and yeah, and with it, you know. But the other thing too, you just pointed out like, in the seventies, you know, um, he, he didn't he 
he had to really do the leg, literally the leg work. He had to go talk to, well, you know, I heard about, you know, Mrs. Smith, I heard that, right. you, know, you know how to deal with, you know, you've heard about this, you know, the, the Spanish moss. What do I need to do? You know, and then, well, you need to do this and this and this. And I don't, I can't remember what, what stick to kill him with. But if you go to the library and he, and you see him do all the legwork, that's right. right. Yeah, I mean, back in those days, you had to go to the library or you had to go and talk to people. And uh, now you would just Google it. Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when he, uh, in the zombie episode, he has to go to somebody and they, they tell him how to, uh, to kill the zombie. He's got to put like the salt in the zombie's mouth. I mean, today you would just, you know, that, that's all that information is, is available to you. Uh, on mm -hmm. Google. And you certainly, uh, you know, you would know about like vampires and stuff like that. And if there's all these like groups and, and yeah, there's so much more, uh, uh, you know, information out there. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we are, we are, we certainly have enough conspiracy theories out there. So it, it, it would be interesting. I would definitely uh, like to try it. I mean, like I said, I hope, hopefully, you know, we we're doing more kick, yeah. uh, Kickstarters and, and more uh, Kolchak books. Yeah. That, because it sounds, yeah. Yeah, if you guys do, I'm, you know, if you guys do another Kickstarter with this, I'm, I'm definitely signing up for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is or are the most fun and awesome things um, of doing this campaign? You know, what's like one of the best, th best things or number of things? Well, just doing... Uh, uh, you know, anything with what Kolchak is, is cool. I mean, that's kind of awesome to be kind of part of the whole uh, legacy of Kolchak. Yes. To, to be working on something that, like, on a show that you like, you grew up on is awesome. I mean, I was uh, absolutely raised on TV. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, it was like, as soon as I got home from school, I watched television, and uh, I went to sleep uh, with the TV on. So mm -hmm. I was totally, it was all about television. So this is awesome just to be working on like uh, on an old TV show. And I love the idea of taking an old TV show, especially one that like that was canceled before its time. Yes. And continuing it, mm -hmm. you know, like that's why I love like, you know, like the Batman 66 comics. Yeah. I love that idea. I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's so awesome that you, you're, you're continuing the, the TV show with Adam West and Burt Ward and mm -hmm. Julie Newmar. I was like, that's, that's great because you can do that in comics. You can take the likenesses and then you can uh, continue the show. Mm -hmm. And the Batman 66 comics are actually really well written. I love them. Yeah. So I love that idea. So that was what I was thinking about when I was doing the culture. I was like, oh, we can, we can continue the show. We can yeah. just keep doing the show as if it was still on the air and we can, we can use the likenesses and, and it was as if, you know, it never went off the air and we can do the same type of, uh, stories mm -hmm. so i love that that we can continue and that that would be awesome too to like i would love to just take any of those old shows that maybe got one season and then do yes. a, a comic uh based on it so that's awesome and working with all these amazing writers and artists is crazy mm -hmm. uh, and then getting to write a call check story is is is, is even cooler so yeah. there's so many awesome things with this uh project so it's just been really awesome, and we haven't even launched it yet. So I mean, starting 
Monday is yes. going to get insane, which mm-hmm. I love about Kickstarters because it's just, it's just like, like a wild ride you take mm-hmm. for 30 days. And like I said, I won't get any sleep. I'll just be watching the Kickstarter every day and I'll be refreshing the page. Mm-hmm. How many backers we got? And uh, so that's fun. So the whole thing is fun. And, and that's why I, I love about Kickstarters because that you get to like, uh, you gather up like this whole uh, community. Mm-hmm. And they're, like I said, there's, there's so many uh, Kolchak fans who, who love it. Yes. So now we're going to be able to like gather everybody up with, through this Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really fun. And, and uh, I'm really interested in seeing what, what's going to happen once, once we launch. And everyone sees what we have. Oh, yes. I can't wait to see. All right. Three more questions. Two of them are going to be fun questions. Um, favorite convention moment as a fan or a creator? Uh, I haven't gone to m- too many conventions. Uh, I've only been to New York Comic Con once, mm-hmm. and I went. Um, I went uh, as a member of the press, so I didn't have to pay. Uh, that's actually how I got. I, I uh, hooked up with Superfan Promotions. Oh, okay. I went. I I got the press badge for Comic Con, and then once you get a press badge, they start sending you every press releases. Mm-hmm. From everybody, so mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't know. I don't even know if I signed up for any of these versions. So I was always getting press releases from super fans, uh-huh. super promotions for years. Yes, and I actually ended up doing some interviews uh, uh, for them for their mm-hmm. creators. So then when I launched this, I said, "Oh, I might as well use super fans uh, promotions because they they've done such great work with other projects." Mm-hmm. So that was already like the best thing that happened to me, which was, was getting the press badge for, for New York Comic Con. But, you know, with COVID, I, I really want to get to conventions. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I started, I, I did my first convention as a, a writer, uh, I think like November of 2020. Oh, yeah. It was like a pulp, uh, pulp, um, pulp book convention. So <laughs> it was a small thing I wanted to just do to kind of get started and you know the, the, the highlight of that is just people coming up to you and talking to you and buying your stuff and i was like wow i know i sold books but i never sold book directly to somebody mm-hmm. oh that's really cool you get to sign the book and, and they you know they talk to you and they give you money and that's that's pretty awesome so i was like oh i would love to i would love to do conventions like on a regular basis mm-hmm. and then things have started getting worse but now on omicron yeah oh like, man I don't know. I, I would love to do. Um, I would love to do um, the San Diego Comic Con. Oh, that'd be nice. I don't nice. even know if they're. Uh, I don't even know if they they didn't do it this year. I mean, uh, well, last year. I yeah. Don't think it was a, no, did they? Last year they did. I think Thanksgiving weekend. But right, then, but it was like a small thing. Yeah. So like I don't want to meet people with a mask on. Yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. So hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, maybe, maybe by the end of the year, things can calm down, and then I'll probably be doing uh, conventions. Because I have all these books, too. Mm-hmm. I have my last, uh, The Classic Monster Unleashed. I have a ton of those books, and um, I should have Kolchak books. So I mm-hmm. have stuff, and I, I'd like to, to start going to conventions pretty regularly. Okay. So hopefully that happens. Now, have you and your family been to Hawaii? Yeah. We were in Hawaii in, I think, 2006. Uh-huh. We went to Oha- o- Oahu yes. for like five days, and then we flew over to Maui. Oh, nice. Where are you? 
I'm on Oahu. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That was amazing, man. Uh, I remember when we went to, uh, we, we got, we were got to maybe the hotel like, like five or six o'clock. And then we got out of the hotel and we went to like Waikiki yes. Beach. And it was like five or six o'clock and it was like just about like sunset. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is amazing. And I was like, it was like, I'm like walking into like an Elvis Presley movie or something. It was like, <laughs> and then on the beach they were doing, it was, uh, it was the season two premiere of Lost. Oh my God. And, yes. and they, were, they were doing it on the beach. And I, I, did, I didn't even watch the show. So we were like, what's this? And it was like, oh, the show Lost. And I was like, oh, I don't watch that show. And uh, so we just, we just, we walked past it. And then as we were doing like all the tours and stuff, they keep saying, well, we, you know, we filmed this scene from Lost over here, and we did Lost, and so we kept hearing about Lost. So we started watching it after we uh, caught home from Hawaii. And we went, oh my God, it's like the greatest show! <laughs> I like, I wish we knew about it when we went to Hawaii, because then we could have like, you know, oh, this is where Soya was, and this is where Jack was, and all, and all that stuff. But but Hawaii was amazing, and Maui was really awesome too. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like like I'm from New York, mm-hmm. so the the water like at our beaches are, are gray. Mm-hmm. And it's like oily, mm-hmm. you know, there's like hypodermic needles floating by and stuff. <laughs> and they went up to Maui and the water's warm mm-hmm. and you can see through it. And mm-hmm. it was like, I'd never, I'd never been on, on a beach like that. So, so <laughs> I'd love to go back, but you know, it's like a 10 hour ride. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that was like, yeah, it was probably like the coolest place I've ever been. Um, final question. Any um, final words to our listeners? Just, you know, follow the uh, Cold Check 50 uh, Twitter account. Uh, sign up for that um, email alert. Like I said, you want to get in on that uh, on day one because we're going to have early bird specials and some things might sell out. And uh, hopefully I'll see everybody online. And uh, when we launch on Monday, uh, say hello. All right. So, you know, James, you know, thank you very much. And I want to wish you all the success with the Kolchak, the Night Stalker 50th anniversary graphic novel Kickstarter. Mahalo. Thank you in Hawaiian. Thank you for your time, for giving me the opportunity to interview, especially about this awesome Kickstarter. I can't, I'm definitely, when I saw this, I'm definitely backing this. Thank, thank you. you. You know, I also want to thank Hannah of Superfan Promotions. Hannah, thank you very much for setting up this interview. Thank you very much. Now, listeners, if you are a horror fan that is interested in this Kickstarter or are a lifelong Koshak fan like I am, go to James's website and it's, um, I'm going to spell it out for you. It's J A M as in Mary, E S as in Sam, A Q U I L O. And is Nancy E.com. Um, you know, um, and James, correct me if I'm wrong, your website lists um, um, your other social media accounts. And yes. it also, it also um, there's a link to the Kickstarter as well, too, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So, you know, so click on the website and here's a link to the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I want to thank Drew, the co-host for Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And finally, you know, I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. 
Until next time, guys. Aloha.